Thank you for making Locked on Spartans your first listen every single day, free and available on all platforms. On today's episode for the sixth time this season, Victory Monday! You are Locked on Spartans, your daily podcast on the Michigan State Spartans. Part of the Locked on Podcast Network, your team every day. Back back we are so back on this victory monday so sensationally back back to bowl games back to michigan state cementing themselves as a top 10 team in the nation that's right checking at number nine in the coaches poll and number 10 in the ap poll i always knew i loved college football coaches better than i do the media that's right no offense to any media members that shows up on the show i love you all um guys on today's episode, oh yeah, for the sixth time this season, it's, it's Victory Monday. This is just what we do. Every week we hop on and we talk about a Spartan victory. And not a lot of colleges can say that. Alabama can't. Ohio State can't. Uh, Oregon can't. Uh, Clemson sure can't. Uh, yeah, but you know what? In East Lansing, for Michigan State Spartans, it's just what we do on Mondays now. We just celebrate wins and that's all we do. It's me knocking on wood right there. Um... Yeah, guys, we're going to talk about the game. Uh, most of it's going to be happy, but I, I will be a slight Debbie Downer in the second segment. I think you'll reason with me here because there are some things that I wasn't necessarily too jazzed about uh, in Saturday's win, but don't get me wrong. A lot of this is going to be positive, and how can it not be? Before we get there, though, make sure you rate, review, and subscribe to the podcast. Yes, this is Locked on Spartans. I'm your host, Matt Sheehan. If you ever need to reach out to me, questions, comments, you want to offer life advice to me or... Have me give you life advice. LockedOnSpartans at gmail.com is where to find me. Like I said, guys, we are Locked On Spartans. We do this Monday through Friday. And, uh, yeah, we we have fun doing it because, holy smokes, is it fun having a team that is six and oh, baby. <laughs> oh, man, I remember when the season started. Uh, I would, I was going to be jazzed if the seven and five, six and six would have tickled my fancy. But how about six and oh? Let's go, baby. As we know, uh, yeah, Michigan State uh, played a football game and they beat Rutgers 31-13. to That is a nice little win there. Conference game on the road. Yes, it's Rutgers, but it's a Rutgers team that showed they can do some things well against other good teams. Namely, you know, stopping Michigan's run game a few weeks ago. A little worried about that, but everywhere else in their game you could see holes and, well, so could the players too. It marks the first time in school history, that the Spartans produced a 300-yard passer, that's right, Peyton Thorne, 339 yards, a 200-yard rusher, Kenneth Walker, with 233 yards, and a 200-yard receiver, of course, we're talking about Naylor, with 221 yards in the same game. Yeah, so that's a fun little stat pulled from MSUSpartans.com, and just, every time Kenneth touched the ball, I was just screaming in the lonesome of my own house, generational, 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 I... Kenneth Walker, complete generational talent. And I think all, if not most, Spartan fans already do a a good job of not taking him for granted, no doubt. Uh, This is probably, I would bet, a lot of money his only year he will be here. Let's make sure we cherish this. Yeah, Le'Veon Bell had amazing seasons here. Uh, Jeremy Langford, amazing seasons here. Javon Ringer, if you want to go back that far, but no one, no one does it quite like Kenneth Walker, man. I mean, that 94-yard run just... He, he has, like, jukes inside of his jukes. Like, he people aren't even touching him 
on these runs. And now he is leading the nation in rushing yards with 912 yards. The closest guy to him, 121 yards away from him. That He almost has a full game of rushing up on the next closest person to him in the nation. And after Alabama kind of had their clunker too, Kenneth Walker might be the leader in the clubhouse for, for Heisen right now. Listen, we got a lot of season left against a lot of good teams. I'm not going to say you know, he's a shoe-in to, to get it, but my goodness gracious. I mean, he's well on his way to being invited as a lock, so that's you know not for nothing. That's pretty nice. Uh, Jalen Naylor, 221 yards, most of them in the first half. And that is the fourth most receiving yards in a single game in school history. And let's not, you know what? Because I wanted to do the segment one. I wanted to go back to Friday, and I had five thoughts on the game. And I wanted to see how those thoughts actually came to life, or didn't come to life, on Saturday. And the first one is that Peyton Thorne had to be the MVP of this game. Like, Rutgers, yes, they've shown that they could stop the run. They didn't. Um, that, that's one thing I was wrong on. They were not able to stop Kenneth Walker. Uh, but I thought, you know, with their, okay, solid run defense, that Peyton would really have to have a, a solid game here. Something that we saw in the Nebraska game where they have a good run defense, but the passing, okay, kind of stagnated there. Not on Saturday, though. Peyton was sensational. Yes, it really helps when you have speed demons on the outside that you can get the ball to that are seemingly open. Uh, every time the ball's in your hands, but let's not get it twisted either. These these passes were in stride. They were dropped in buckets 30 yards away, 35 yards away. Uh, he just looked dynamite in the first half. So, yeah, massive, massive credit goes to Thorne. Uh, and also the offensive line, too, for giving Thorne the time uh, for both Naylor to extend his routes as far as he could and for Thorne, well, to comfortably pass in the pocket right there. Oh, boy. So another thing from Friday. Uh, that, that show is that we wanted to see a fast 30 followed by a full 30 when what we meant by that is a fast starting first half because okay Rutgers secondary not that great and they're also missing some bodies too let's jump on the Scarlet Knights throat from the get-go and oh yeah I that would I would say that happened with <laughs> Naylor racking up over 200 yards against the uh, depleted secondary and then the full 30 meaning that we wanted to see them actually come out in the second half and perform, which we haven't necessarily seen the last two weeks against Nebraska and Western Kentucky. Those were a little choppy, and it didn't look too good either to start, namely the first possession of the second half where you have pre-snap penalty after pre-snap penalty on a punt. Yikes, okay, it doesn't seem like we're focused for another one, but no, I mean, you know, (laughs) Walker bangs out a 94-yard touchdown to set an MSU record for longest play from scrimmage in program history. And the defense absolutely, positively shutting it down. We will talk about the defense more. I know that, and I'm at fault for this too, MSU is just so littered with lightning and fireworks on offense that we, we give them a lot of shine. But man, it's that was a really, really nice performance by the defense as well. But we'll, I guess we'll, we'll get there later. So it was nice to see the fast 30, the fast start, followed by the full 30 minutes, too. Just locked in. Oh God, it was just a relief, really. Um, and also, the other thing, too, uh, from Friday that did hit um, is that I said this is going to kind of remind me of that Nebraska game where you look around and see where the holes are in Nebraska's offense, okay, or Rutgers' offense. Both games, you kind of see the offensive line. It's like, mm, okay, that is where we can attack them. 
wow, uh, did MSU attack them <laughs> um, up in the front four there? Uh, MSU had four sacks against Rutgers, and Rutgers was actually pretty good at protecting Noah Vedral, their quarterback, leading up to that point in the season. Heading into that game, they've just allowed six sacks, and that is, you know, also playing against teams like the Wolverines and the Buckeyes. That's not bad, but MSU tacks on four more. Ooh-wee. Now MSU leads the conference with 22 sacks. Uh, they also were, again, very good in the run defense as well. They held Rutgers to 3.1 yards per carry. And I hate being this guy that, like, cherry picks <laughs> stats. But if I was that person, and I will be that person, uh, if you take away Noah Vedral's 33-yard run uh, very early on in the game, Rutgers only averaged 2.4 yards per carry. So if you want to live in the fantasy land where that 33-yard never happened, which I, I will do for this 30-second stretch right now, yeah, only averaged 2.4 yards per carry, and that's just uh, what we've begun to expect from Michigan State so far this season when it comes to run defense. They've been <laughs> I mean, great all year, really. Um, and I'm not going to toot my own horn and say that I was you know, <laughs> correct about everything we saw or that we saw everything we wanted to see because one of the thoughts I had on Friday, too, is that I wanted to see uh, a second running back really establish himself here, you know, and I thought it'd be a good job or a good opportunity to do so against Rutgers. That did that. That did not happen. That did not happen. Um, Harold Joyner, uh, he led anyone not named Kenneth Walker in carries and yards. He had three carries for 14 yards. It's the first time he's carried the ball since the Northwestern game. Uh, Jordan Simmons, who I thought was just like a like hurt on the sidelines. And no, he had one carry for four yards. So yeah, I mean, listen, like I said, it's, it is nice that Kenneth Walker's getting 29 touches. I mean, he's obviously one of the greatest playmakers, not in the conference, but in the country. But, oh man, like I, it just jazzes me when, or if MSU can just find a complimentary guy to give Kenneth Walker some blow. One of those reasons, too, is actually comes at the end of the game. Kenneth Walker walks out with a tweaked ankle, and then a few minutes later, he's back out on the field. It would be nice to have, like, a running back that you're comfortable to put out there. Or also, the game is put away, too, and I wasn't necessarily jazzed with that move as well. And there were some other moves that I wasn't necessarily jazzed by, and yeah, we're going to go down um, Negative Boulevard here to start next segment. But first, that's right, guys. need to talk to you fine folks about prize picks. Prize picks. You've, you've heard us talk about prize picks for a hot minute here because they are the leader in college sports daily fantasy, offering more college props than anyone in the world. Guys, they give you all the star players of the Power Five as well as the mid major players you might have never even heard of. So, how do you play this wonderful game? How do you use prize picks? Well, it's easy. You got to start at the App Store or Google Play, download it, and then deposit. And make sure you score that 100% instant deposit match for up to $100. That's right. If you use promo code locked on, all one word, locked on, that's going to give you a 100% deposit match up to $100. So from there, you pick two to five players, the over under on their projected stats, and you can win up to 10 times on any entry. Best of all, it is just you against the numbers. You're not going up against anyone else's lineups or anything. You're just simply picking the over unders, baby. That's right. And they allow mixed sports entries, so if you want to tie in some baseball to your college football picks, uh, be our guest. Go for it. Entries can be made in 60 seconds or less, and, oh my goodness gracious, I, this is what's best of all here. Safe and fast withdrawals on prize picks. So do not hesitate. Check out prizepicks.com. Use promo code LOCKEDON, or go to the App Store and download the app today. Prize picks is daily fantasy made easy. 
Yep. All right. Um, I, I said I was going to do this early on in the show, and it, it, it doesn't bring me any joy or pleasure. But yeah, I got to be, uh, for the first time on a Victory Monday, I think. I don't think I've ever <laughs> steered us down negative boulevard here on a, on a Monday. But I, this is this was not going to be something that we're just going to let slide by. Um, before we, we get to the crux of it, though, here's a anecdote. Kenneth Walker, as you may already know, has been nicknamed the Eraser by his offensive lineman. Why is that? Well, it's a funny reason, because whenever the offensive line misses blocks, Kenneth Walker can, more times than not, erase that error and make it look like nothing ever happened. I mean, he really fixes the problems that the offensive line has here and there. Um, Thorne, Naylor, and Walker were the eraser for the entire coaching staff on... Saturday. Maybe not the entire coaching staff. That's not fair. Just coaching. And I want to make it clear. By coaching, I mean game management. Game management. Not not play calling. Because let's be honest, Jay Johnson, he he owes me one square punch in the teeth if he ever sees me. Um, He's just done a remarkable job this year. Fantastic job. Play calling was prime on Saturday. It's been pretty solid the entire year, I think. Uh, that's not what I'm talking about, though. Uh, I'm talking about just the, the game management, and it, it it was baffling from the start. And listen, if it's just like one thing, okay, I'll let it slide. Two things, okay, fine. No one throws a perfect game, rarely, in college football. But it was just weird decisions and just mistakes all over the place on Saturday. And I, I hope it doesn't turn into something here. Let's let, let's just let's just take it from the start. The, the start. First possession, the fake field goal on fourth and three at the 22-yard line to open up the game. Okay, you have a Heisman front runner running back. You have a good quarterback who has great weapons. Just go for it on fourth and three or just kick the field goal. And, and like, it, it's just been like that the whole season, though, where the spots they're picking to kick field goals and to not kick field goals has been strange. Like, okay, the, the 50-yarder on fourth and five against Youngstown. That's inconsequential. That, that didn't matter with the game. But I, I don't know, like fourth, either to just kick the, the 39 yarder or go for it. And it was pretty obvious that it was sniffed out too. The, the announcers on Big Ten Network, I'm, I apologize, I'm blanking on their names right now. But said so like, oh yeah, they, they, had a, they had a defender out there that sniffed it out. No, it, it looked like the defense was in the huddle when that play was called. Both the, the guys that disengaged and ran routes were covered and Bryce Berenger Poor guy rolls right, running for his life against five Scarlet Knights. Like that, that no, that that didn't fool anyone. Actually, um, okay, so you, you move down later on in the quarter, and it's uh, fourth and three at the Rutgers thirty-four yard line. Okay, you gotta move the ball. Miss has been doing a good job at that this drive. Are you going to go for it? Like you probably should. Uh, that that's the winning play. It's not playing scared. Are you gonna kick the fifty-one yarder? That's not unheard of so far this season is to go for a long field goal. Um, you're going to do one of those two. You're not going to – oh, you are, you are going to punt. Why are we punting on fourth and three when you're moving the ball pretty well against Rutgers on the 34-yard line? Bad decision to begin with. But when the punt rolls into the end zone and now it's brought back out to the 20-yard line – you did all that just to scoot them back 14 yards. Instead of going for it on 4th and 3, at the 34-yard line, you take your delay a game, you punt, and now 
all that just to scoot Rutgers back 14 yards. That hurts. And it also hurts when the very next play for Rutgers, down the field. Yeah. Um, this was the probably the most mind-numbing and alarming of them all, was the clock situation at the end of the first half when MSU came like two hundredths of a second from not being able to attempt a field goal later on. Um, clock is running. There's confusion on the field. You have a timeout. Once the clock hits nine or eight seconds, maybe even seven, and there's confusion going on in the field, no one knows what they're doing, maybe the adult in the room has to step up and call the timeout to make sure that, okay, let's make sure that we don't completely botch this. And they didn't. Yes, okay, it all worked out until the field goal actually happened. But, yeah, they did get their second on the clock, and they were able to do it. But still, that cut it way too close for comfort. And this, this, this too is was ridiculous as well. That the four pre-snap penalties on punts on the game, like, okay, fine, one delay game, whatever. Two, like, at what point do we say, well, okay, that that thing happens every once in a while. To okay, that's that's just a that's a preparation issue, and preparation issues, they all point the fingers to themselves all the time on this. It, it comes down to coaching. How it was unbelievable that when the punt team comes out on the field, you as a, a fan shouldn't be just praying to God that they can get the punt off without you know seeing the play clock hit zero. And the play clock was kind of an issue the entire game. It's just baffling. And listen, it, it it obviously didn't matter because when you have weapons like MSU does, yeah, you can erase some of the mistakes that the coach has made. And the, hey, and listen, I, before I go any further, I. I love Tucker. I love what he's doing. The whole coaching staff as a whole, awesome. Everyone makes mistakes, and this was a, a just mistake after mistake, I thought, from the coaching staff. And I get it. Yeah, we won. But I also go back to the second halves against Nebraska or Western Kentucky where we say, okay, you didn't really play well in the second half, but you're allowed to do that against Nebraska because every game they point the AK-47 at their foot and unload the clip. Like, they love to just lose and make sure they do it themselves. West Kentucky, six points. Okay, Western West Kentucky, six points in the second half. You say, okay, you're allowed to do that. It's against the Hilltoppers, the same, you know, some incredible team. You are allowed to do that. Against Rutgers, okay, you're allowed to have these coaching follies because your skill position players can make up for any errors that you're making in judgment. And it's all going to be okay. 31-13, but... who man, we're, we're starting to run out of those games, of those opponents where we can just excuse taking off an entire half of football or making routine elementary mistakes, whether it be discipline before a snap or being shockingly conservative uh, in, in a football game. So, yeah, I... Like I said to start this segment, it'd be one thing if it was just one thing, but it wasn't. It was very bizarre and uncharacteristic, I think, too. It's not like there's been a repeated pattern this year, but let's uh, keep it like that. Let's make sure it's not a repeated pattern. So that's that's just all I... It was... I hate doing this on Victory Monday, but there's a reason I brought this up in the middle segment because I still want to end on a high note. And we will, and on a high note, we will talk about the defense, how great they've been playing. And also, uh, let, let's talk about going bowling a little bit, too, on the other side of this segment. But first, you need to talk to you fine folks about Built Bar. <laughs> That's right, baby, Built Bar. 
uh, I love me some Built Bar. Um, and which one, you say? Well, I like coconut, coconut almond, cherry, raspberry, mint brownie, peanut butter brownie, double chocolate, salted caramel, and I also love the mixed box as well. That's right. You get two of each in the nine flavors in the mixed box. If you can't decide which flavor is for you, give yourself a little smorgasbord of Built Bar. Uh, and not only are they delicious, guys, on the taste buds, but they are delicious on the body as well. Woo! Most flavors. 17 grams of protein, only 130 calories, only 4 grams of sugar, and only 4 grams of net carbs. Treat yourself, guys. And also, a little bird told me that Churro Puff is making a return very soon, so keep your eyes peeled on BuiltBar.com's website. And also, when you go to BuiltBar.com, use promo code LOCKED15, and you will score 15% off on your first order. That's right, guys. BuiltBar.com, promo code LOCKED15, and you will get 15% off your first order. Use promo code LOCKED15 for 15% off at BuiltBar.com. So let's talk about that defense. That's right. Sorry. It's, it, you don't have the, the, the Heisman hopefuls of Kenneth Walker or Jaden Reed or who knows now, maybe Jalen Naylor uh, on your side of the ball. But who boy, does MSU have some dogs on that side of the ball as they pitch a shutout in the second half in their bend, do not break defense. That's right. You know, I was going to say it eventually this episode. Yeah, just uh, another great game by them. And you know what? I got to say, but before I go any further... In this, I'm not going to talk about a Spartan at all. I'm going to talk about a Scarlet Knight. Huge shout-out to Noah Vedral. I know he doesn't listen. I know no Rutgers fans listen to this. Huge shout-out to him, though, because he was getting nuked all game long. My goodness, were the Spartans laying the wood on the Scarlet Knights, especially the quarterback. Not only was he running for his life, thanks to the pressure that the front four was bringing, but, man, if he ever broke the line of scrimmage, or if it was ever, uh-oh, here comes the sack... Man, he was getting popped. Popped. And credit to him for getting up after every single one and shaking it off. And all right, next play. I guess, I guess we're going to do this again. Um, man, man, oh, man, oh, man. Um, it, listen, it was also a good bounce back for the defense, too. You, of course, you're missing Cal Halliday in the first half. And that was seen, too. It was not, not a good start for the defense. Uh, you gave up the, the third and 4.3 mile long conversion to start the game. You're missing tackles. Coverage was a little rocky, namely with the linebackers, but, I mean, that doesn't matter, though, when you, you only let them score 13 points and have a real F-U moment in the second half when they do have fourth and essentially goal. I mean, it was, okay. Or, I'm sorry, first and essentially goal. Yeah, it was on the 11-yard line. We'll call it first and goal. And you shut them down. And you say, nope, you know what? We're not going to let you make this one-possession game. We're going to shut her down right now. Uh, yeah, that was the ultimate bend-don't-break-ness of this defense right there. Uh, Angelo Gross, sensational. He had the second-highest tackles with eight, trailing Darius Snow's nine tackles. And Angelo Gross might kill someone one day on the field, I think. He, I think, the guy's only 5'10", 180 pounds. He can put a missile into you if, uh, if he catches you head-on. He had a lot of pops. I'm sure he'll... If he doesn't win the Percy Snow uh, hard hit of the week that MSU gives out to each player, he's he's going to be in the running for it. Um, the front four, sensational. Deshaun Mallory, great to have him back in the field. He had five tackles. Uh, Simeon Barrow, four tackles, two sacks, and absolutely annihilated Vendral for the game icing turnover. Hit him so hard that the ball left the frame. You don't see that a whole lot. Uh, that was very fun. Jacob Slade, four tackles and also... 
if he was on Rutgers, I think he would have had the second most rushing yards on the team too. Uh, there's nothing I wanted more in life than for him to house that scoop and, well, attempted score <laughs> there at the end of the game. That was awesome. Maverick Hansen, who's just been great so far, four tackles and a sack. Jacob Panashuk, four tackles and a half sack. Jeff Petrowski, another great game from him. So, yeah, the front four was sensational. And that's it was a spot where they could be too. Like we said, I mean, Rutgers' offensive line isn't you know anything to write home about necessarily. But it's also awesome when you can see that and watch the team take advantage of it over and over and over and over and over again. So, yeah, a huge, massive shout-out to them. Um, interesting to see uh, Ma'a Na'ateoteote, if I'm saying that name correctly, Get some spin at linebacker uh, when Quaveris Crouch left the game for a little bit with an injury. If there's one thing that I noticed about him, it's just like he he does look college ready already. The kid's a true freshman, but man, he is he is big. <laughs> I mean, I know it's a not, not a great deal of insight there, but that's the one thing I took away from just watching him in the field. It's like, oh my god, this kid looks like he's a junior in college already. So yeah, the, the defense was was solid. It was interesting to see Marquis Lowry get as much spin as he did. There were the two incidents where it looked ticky-tack that he maybe should have been flagged for pass interference, according to Rutgers fans. Maybe I looked at it in green and white goggles. I didn't think so. Yeah, a little handsy, but we see that all the time. And I didn't think it was anything extra. So I thought he played pretty well, too, as he's going to be getting more and more reps with Kalen Gerving leaving that cornerback four spot open for Mr. Lowry. So, yeah, defense, what else can be said about them? They they played after after a really tough start. Uh, I thought they played just as well as you could hope. And, you know, another underrated part of their performance, too, was this is after the teams go in the locker room, block field goal, one possession game. It, Rutgers got some serious momentum on their side coming out of the locker room, and then, I mean, it wasn't a three and out, but they, they got Rutgers off the field very quickly in less than three minutes. So that was awesome to start the half with that and really setting the tone from that point on. Uh, I do want to get into a listener email really quick before we go, and because it, it kind of cracked me up. Um, the the timestamp on this email that I received on Saturday is actually very important here. This comes from Brent, sent to me at 9.27 p.m., and he wanted to lay a hot take on me after he finished a pony keg of Spartan Kool-Aid, he said. And he said, no, it's not that MSU goes to the championship game or not go to the playoffs, but the take is that Mel Tucker will become the first Saban disciple to beat him, and he will accomplish that feat this year. Tuck coming. Yes, that was sent at 9.27 p.m. And then <laughs> and then three hours later at 11.50 p.m., he emails me again. Uh, asterisk, 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 uh, second Saban disciple. Because, as you might have found out, uh, Jimbo Fisher became the first Saban, disciple to beat the old boss as Texas a beat Alabama. So uh, Brent working the smooth reverse jinx on Alabama and Texas a with that email right there. Uh, but hey, the, the take stands that the Spartans and Tide will meet up this year. And you know what? I, I don't think that's too crazy because let me hit you with two bull projections that have come out. I'm recording a little early on Sunday, so a lot of outlets haven't come out with their bull projections. CBS Sports says MSU will be in the Citrus Bowl versus Kentucky. 24-7 Sports also pegging Michigan State for the Citrus Bowl, but against Arkansas. Alabama is probably a loss away from being in the Citrus Bowl conversation, or, hell, 
Michigan State, like, they haven't lost. Like, they could, they, they could still rise. I mean, yeah, I, I don't feel too hot necessarily against the Buckeyes or Nittany Lions, but I've been wrong about the team so far this season, and it's clear that they have the weapons to compete with any team in the country. So, hey, maybe they do get to, like, an 11-1 record or something crazy like that where they are in a New Year's Six Bowl and get paired against Alabama. So, yeah, one of my favorite parts of football season is just the, the bowl projections. It's a lot of fun, too, when you have a team that, Actually, I uh, can win six games early on in the season, so they are fun to read. Um, yeah, but that, that's a fascinating way of looking at it. It's like, who will MSU's opponent be? Can they get Saban as Alabama's kind of have an eh, rocky-ish year? Yeah, they'll probably still go 11-1 or 10-2. and Or, hey, can MSU also go 11-1, and 10-2 to score themselves a date with the Tide? How... How fun would that be? You know, it's all fun in games to say, like, all right, New Year's Six Bowl. Yeah, Fiesta Bowl or, uh, I don't know, Sugar Bowl. That'd be awesome. And then, oh, it'd be against the Tide. Great. Nah, we're not going to harsh our vibes, though. It's Victory Monday, baby. That means the Spartans are doing well. That we are even having these conversations is amazing. Holy smokes. 6-0. and We're going bowling. Tuck coming. Let's go. Woo-wee. Oh, man, we are so back. We are back. We are back. We are back back. Guys, once again, thank you for making Locked On Spartans your first listen every single day, every single victory Monday, I should say. And if you need more Big Ten football in your life, go check out Locked On Big Ten with Nate Dickinson. Um, Yeah, he'll get you brought up to speed on everything that happened over the weekend and give you good preview looks at what's to come on the near horizon in Big Ten play. All right, guys, as always, hey, let's go. Victory Monday. Just don't stop celebrating. Hoosiers on Saturday. We can worry about that then. All right, guys. Go Green.